0: This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by VeriSign. Enter the Make Your Idea Internet Official Contest. Register a new .com domain name with the participating registrar during the contest entry period and enter for an opportunity to win up to $35,000. Learn more about the contest and its rules at verisigncontest.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz and my guest today is Ben Parr. He is a journalist, entrepreneur, former co-editor of Mashable, partner in Dominate Fund and the author of a book we're going to talk about today called Captivology, The Science of Capturing People's Attention. So Ben, thanks for joining me. Glad to be here. Hey, you know, um, there's something I've always wondered. Um, where, did the, where did the name Mashable come from? You know, obviously everybody's heard of it now. Millions and millions of people have read it. But I don't know that I've ever heard the story of where that name came from.
1: You know, I'm not 100% sure either since it was Pete originally. But I think it really came from the word mashup. You know, yeah. back in the day, mashup was a big deal. And mashups of different social apps were, I guess, even before the era of social really began. Yeah. So... Um, I always thought, and it really came from Mashup, but uh, it's come to be something bigger now.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. So uh, let's talk a little bit about, uh, well, well, actually, uh, before we jump into the book, um, I'd love to hear a little bit about Dominate Fund and, and what you've done because you're no longer uh, doing the work uh, of uh, editing Mashable. So uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the, the company that you are a partner in.
1: So Dominate Fund is an early stage venture fund and what we do is we invest in early stage companies at the seed level usually and we, and then we help them and coach them on attention on the stuff I talk about in my book on press, marketing, customer and user acquisition, virality, all these kind of key areas that really matter when it comes to you taking a product that you've built and getting it to the masses. And that's what we really focus on. We don't do the day-to-day handholding holding of how you build a business. Yeah. We really focus on the attention aspect and helping your companies get into the mainstream.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because there probably are a lot of, uh, I'm sure over the years, people have seen great ideas. And you probably see really great ideas. But these companies or these founders don't have a sense of how to get attention and it's probably always been a goal. In fact, I'm, I'm sure it's always been a goal for businesses, but but in some ways it seems like it's become much more difficult because we are all so overwhelmed.
1: Absolutely. it's um, There's a lot of new stuff that's really happening for the last few years, right? Um, in 1986, we were exposed to approximately 46 newspapers worth of information. And that was a, there's a study that actually measured this. In 2006, that number was up to 176. Yeah. And today... Um, one estimate found we are exposed to approximately seven full DVDs worth of information on a daily basis. And we have the same 24 hours a day and the same type of attention um, and the same habits. And yet we have this huge explosion of information. So when you have that, what do you do? And so we have an era where it's so much harder to get attention for your ideas, for your projects, your passions, your product, anything. And I think people need to think about, rethink attention. What is attention? How does it actually work? And how do you capture it?
0: Yeah, it's really funny. I started blogging in 2003. And uh, I I laugh, you know, people ask me how how my blog became so popular. Well, in, in 2005... Um, I, I was you know, called by the Washington Post, the New York Times, Newsweek, Businessweek, because there just weren't really that many blogs. And uh, somehow they found mine, and I, I got all this attention. Well, now starting a blog today, uh, you know, the, the, I, I can't imagine the challenge of trying to build a really large readership today because now there are billions of blogs.
1: But it's absolutely possible, especially if you if you hit a it resonate with a niche or with an audience that really hasn't been validated. One of the things I talk about in the book is the acknowledgement trigger, and the acknowledgement trigger is one of my seven psychological triggers for capturing attention. And essentially, it goes down to uh, we pay attention to the people and things that pay attention to us and provide us with validation and empathy and understanding. And I feel like there's a lot of these communities happening still. You know, part of the reason why YouTube stars are so much are so powerful and why a lot of t- kids are more want to s- meet their YouTube stars than they do real celebrities is because, uh, is because they have this direct connection, this acknowledgement, this kind of community that was underserved. It's, you know, whether you're interested in science or you're interested in baking or you're interested in art or you're interested in technology, there's always someone for you. And I think that's the same kind of thing if you're like starting with blogging. Like I have absolutely seen, you know, we've seen a bunch of great companies come in the last few years. It's absolutely possible to build an audience even now.
0: Yes, uh, no question. I, I guess my point was it's it's certainly gotten harder. <laughs> I, I, was actually just, I was actually just saying, you know, I didn't really feel like it was that hard. But, you know, now I think it's gotten really hard.
1: Oh, no, it's still, it is harder. And it's always, the thing is, it's always going to be harder to capture attention just yeah. as time goes on. So you have to know how to do it.
0: I really love that point that you just made about uh, people, people are, are seeking, you know, things that help them validate maybe their, their, their beliefs already or their interests already. And I think there are a lot of communities, uh, you know, used to be you had to be in that town or you had to be, you, you know, you had to be able to travel to where those communities got together. And now they're just these communities that can, can come together over just pretty much any belief or thought or interest or hobby. And I, I just think that's one of the coolest things that's gone on in the last few years.
1: No, absolutely. It's it's um, this has been this explosion.
0: Yeah. So let me ask you this. So so when people start talking about capturing attention, uh, there certainly are ways to capture attention that I think fall probably more towards hype. Um, you know, is there is there a way to distinguish between you know capturing attention that is hype and capturing attention that's actually going to lead to long term profitability?
1: Well, I talk all about that in Captivology, but more specifically what I talk well, about is… Well, and Ben,
0: I've, I've read the book. That's why I asked you that question. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I, as you know then, is I talk about the three stages of attention. And uh, one of the really – the key things is immediate attention, which is our immediate reaction to certain stimuli. It's automatic, like when you hear a gunshot. Um, There's short attention, which is a short-term focus, and then there's long attention, which is a key part of my model, which is long-term interest and fascination in something. And what happens too often is lots of people and lots of companies focus too much on short attention and capturing that short-term focus on a commercial or a a song or a film.
0: Or a viral video. Let's make a viral video. That's the one that drives me crazy.
1: But they don't think in terms of how do you convert that audience into long attention. You have to walk your audience to that final stage. And there's different triggers – that capture attention and that's a really big key you've got to walk them through to long attention and you got to think about that from the moment that you start plotting any kind of marketing campaign
0: so you talk a lot about these uh these triggers would you and and i was going to ask you i was going to say just tell us about the triggers but that's like saying to, you know read us half the book but um would you would you say the triggers that you talk about is, is there you know, is there an order to these? Is this a logical journey almost that we have to we have to build these in intentionally to uh, to our marketing or our message or whatever it is we're trying to do to capture attention?
1: There is a progression, and there's no perfect progression when it comes to my seven captivation triggers. But um, I wrote them; I, I ordered the chapters in a way where uh, certain triggers are more effective and. Earlier stages of attention, certain triggers are more effective. In later stages of attention, the first chapter I talk about automaticity, for example, the automaticity trigger, which is when we pay attention to certain, uh, is what we ch- is how we react to certain colors and certain symbols and certain sounds, is a great tool for capturing immediate attention. While the disruption trigger, uh, paying attention to things that violate our expectations, is powerful for, on our short attention and acknowledgement, which I talked about a little bit before, is powerful on our long attention. And so some of these tools work across stages, but you got to really think about, you know, like you got to like going through that process, like going through those seven in the order that I put them in will help you go through those three stages of attention.
0: Yeah. And, and, and I think more than anything else, if people just start at least thinking about this, you know, like you said, you you might not get a perfect progression, you might not get it perfect, but if you at least start recognizing that these exist and that these are almost like trips that you have to go through, uh, I, I think it, I think it allows you to do some things intentionally that maybe you're not doing today or you're not thinking about doing today uh, to really expand. the um, the the other really cool thing that I think and you you of course have a lot of this in in the book is that uh, there's now a whole lot of you know it used to be that you know some of these ideas have been with us for a while, uh, but I think what's really cool is that science is starting to catch up to. Uh, how people, you know, if we say, well, people react this certain way, or they have this emotion, but now we're able to measure it, you know, with with all of these tools, with functional MRIs and things. And so I think it's really cool that the science has caught up to kind of validate some of this. Uh,
1: The important thing to, I think, is that we are entering an age where we have such deep and detailed knowledge of the human brain and our human behavior in a way that we've never had in history. And that information is incredibly useful for uh, everything from marketing to self-awareness to focus to all these different areas. And I think that's part of the reason why I was so in- fascinated and interested in writing Captivology because because that science is really now can be useful for any of these things, for marketing your product or trying to understand why we people become famous or why we care about certain things over others.
0: Before we um, get into some examples, um, I, I typically like to dwell on the title. So, you know, you've created a new word. Uh, so is there a compact, um, tidy definition to what captivology actually is?
1: Uh, captivology, very simply, is the science and the psychology of attention and why we pay attention to certain people and products and how to utilize that knowledge and that science to capture the attention of others.
0: You've mentioned... Uh, YouTube stars, pop stars, I think are, are I think are really great examples uh, because there is so much. Sometimes a hype uh, tension. Sometimes it's very short lived. Sometimes it's very long. Um, so, are there, um, in, in your opinion, you know, over time, is there an example in the world of of pop stars, somebody that that has done this in a way that's very sustainable?
1: Oh, there's absolutely, and so I write about a few stars that have built long-term audiences and are going to be around for a very long time. You think about, let's say, Beyoncé and Taylor Swift as examples in the U.S. Right. Right. Um, Beyoncé was able to launch her latest album without any marketing, and it became a platinum bestseller and the bestseller of that year. Um, and, you know, other stars had tons of marketing, or, and they couldn't get anywhere. And obviously, most people can't just drop an album and get a bestseller. And so what's the difference here? And what Beyonce has done is kind of uh, build up to that level. You know, she's built a long attention. She started with, you know, s- singing at uh, with Destiny's Child and singing in smaller groups and building her personal reputation over a long period of time to get to that point. Um, and so you utilize those triggers along the way. Um, Taylor Swift does a great job of that. One thing that I like that she did is when Last Christmas, when she um, she she would wrap presents for random fans on YouTube and then send them out and what she was doing there was showing her audience that she cared and she cared about them and she didn't have to give a present to every single one to demonstrate that but when she did those videos everyone saw them it went viral everywhere and her fans loved it and it's kind of an acknowledgement again of her acknowledging her audience and you know that makes for a much more loyal audience one that pays longer term attention that will not just buy the albums but come to the concerts and buy the merchandise and be part of that family of hers
0: yeah, and you think of that world, you know, when you talk about record sales. I mean, you know, kids don't buy albums anymore, and so for you to for you to have a platinum album anymore is uh, pretty fabulous. Um, another another example: uh, video games, and you talk a lot about these, and, and certainly there are people that are just you know they spend hours and hours of uh, their days um addicted literally to video games there was a a a story a a professional baseball team last year um got hooked on some bunch of the players got hooked on some game i can't remember the name of it and and it came to the point where the coaching staff said you know we gotta you know we're we're taking this away here these were theoretically adults and it was like we're taking this away so you can do your job i mean are there things that we can learn from uh, the way that video games addict people Oh, so
1: one of the interesting people I interviewed for my book, and I interviewed dozens of people, but one of my favorite ones was Shigeru Miyamoto. And Shigeru Miyamoto is the creator of Super Mario. And along with Zelda, Pikmin, Metroid, Star Fox, a lot of the key characters that we know and love. But what he told me was, he told me about how he walked his audience to those three stages of attention. And so when it comes to games, game design, it comes down to a couple of things. One is creating a visually compelling character. And so, for example, in Miyamoto's time, and this is a fun story, in, when they first created Mario, they were limited by uh, the technology. They could yeah. only yeah. draw 16 by 16 pixels, right? And so they're like, how do we make him distinctive on, on the screen? Well, they gave him a big nose so that wow. you could see he had a nose. But you, the nose was not well defined, so they put a mustache on him. And then they're like, we can't do hair so they gave him a, like a bright red cap and a shirt didn't really stand out, so they gave him overalls. And that's why Super Mario has the overalls, the hat, the nose, and the mustache. But uh, it's also the compelling gameplay, it's wanting to finish a level. They make them just short enough where people can pay attention till the end of the level, but not so long, but not so short that people just drop off and don't invest some time and energy into it and they do. A, he's done a great job of building this kind of compelling gameplay where you're rewarded for faster times and for smarter play. And then there's long attention, which is, um, is compelling characters. And we, don't come, we come back to a game because of familiarity. We're familiar with the characters. We like the characters. We know when we play a Mario game, a new one. We're going to have Mario. We're going to have Bowser. We're going to have Koopas but we also know that there's going to be new gameplay elements. They're going to change it up in some way. And so it's that kind of right balance that makes a game into a game series. Um, And you see this kind of thing all the time with the top video game series. Um, One other note I'll say is that a lot of the new mobile games really focus on rewards and focus on rewards during, um, and really focus on rewards like in, in game for things like, you know, being able to receive digital coinage or receive gifts from friends. And that's a very powerful tool as well, especially for short attention. Of course, if you overuse it, at some point there's backlash.
0: Yeah. So, do you think? Do you believe the, the the world we're living in today that that pretty much everybody has to focus on this? I mean, I can you know I have a lot of small business, mom and pop kind of businesses that uh, that that might be thinking as they're listening to this that. Oh, you know, he's talking about Mario, Super Mario and Silicon Valley stuff, you know, but uh, here in the heartland, you know, our business, uh, you know, we don't, you know, we we can't do that stuff. I mean, would you say that this is, uh, there are elements of this that apply to pretty much any business today?
1: Absolutely, because every business needs to get attention in some way. And all these triggers that I talk about are uh, fundamental across human nature, you know, um, we, we, we seek validation and we care about completing mysteries, and we care about rewards. And so I think I've, I've talked about this with a lot of different types of businesses. Obviously, I come from the tech world, but if you're a local business, you have to find a way to stand out from your peers, and you have to find a way to turn those customers into loyal customers. And if you're a, if, even if you go off the beaten path, like if you're a teacher, you have to get the attention of students. If you're a parent, you need the attention of kids. Um, attention so, is a fu- the fundamental currency of the modern economy now. If you don't have attention, you can't do anything. You can't raise a charity. You can't start a company.
0: So if I'm listening to this and, I, and I'm thinking, okay, you know, I've got Ben's attention for 10 minutes um, and I'm going to ask him, you know, what's the best way to get started <laughs> uh, doing this? If I've, you know, I've already got a business. I've already kind of out there. I've got my product made or something. It's already out there. You know, how do I, um, what, what's the fastest or easiest way to, for me to start embracing these ideas?
1: I would say, obviously, I'm gonna always say something like, "Read the book" because it'll give you the insight. But more specifically, I think the first thing people can do, just to make for to make their thing, everything they do more captivating, is is to be a little disruptive and violate people's expectations. And this is one of the more powerful triggers in the book. And I talk about how we pay attention to the people and the things that violate our expectations and we pay it, it's actually a threat response system because if a clown walks in in our meeting, we're gonna pay attention because that's out of place. We're trying to figure out maybe this clown's a good friend of ours or maybe that clown's about to mug us. We don't know. So we pay attention. Now, in daily life, that means things like surprising people with maybe a gift or wearing a different, slightly different color or doing something that people wouldn't expect you to do. All those little things capture attention and make life more interesting and make whatever you're doing more interesting. What kills attention is the same old thing every single day, um, and that's like the that's just the first step, but it's a really important step. It create it, it really promotes that creativity and makes you more captivating. It makes whatever you do more captivating.
0: So, so, so what would you say to those people that say, "Well, no, my clients like consistency. You know, they don't want." Whatever little thing that might be mixing it up or, or violating <laughs> um, what their expectations are um, because you know I believe that you know our, our business is built on delivering a consistent experience
1: so the first thing is disruption trigger works specifically for short attention it works really really well for capturing new attention of new people you need that if you want to get new clients now if you have the same clients then it does it does come to something different it comes down to Uh, that familiarity and making sure that you deliver on your promise, which I do talk about as well in the book. Um, I think you really need to deliver on what you're trying to say and do and listening to what your audience actually wants. Once you've already got their attention, there is a difference between if you've already got their attention and if you're trying to get their attention. Different triggers.
0: Great. So have you seen this backfire? You know, somebody who's bent on getting attention?
1: Oh, all the time. So one – example i talk about that's just hilarious is um is quiznos so a few years ago quiznos had this advertising campaign where they had these weird looking mutant rodents advertising their sandwiches they're the freakiest things you've ever seen and it made no sense at all it's like what marketing exec said you know what what'll you know what'll be great what's a freak mutant rodents advertise sandwiches did it catch people's attention of course it did did it help him with sales no it did not Quiznos went bankrupt last year. The, like, the problem is a lot of times companies feel like they just need to capture attention and then go from there. But really there is a difference between positive and negative attention. Yeah. If you're going to go after attention, it has to match your company's values, especially a disruption. If you're going to do a stunt, it better match the values or the power of the company. It better be a positive experience. Because once it turns into a negative experience, it all goes against you.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, That's when you see the real power of grabbing attention, isn't it? Um, <laughs> You uh, list some nonprofit examples, and uh, I, n- I know that uh, you have um, some inform- or a, uh, a story about Charity Water. Uh, but I wonder if you would talk a little bit about the, the whole bucket challenge thing from, I guess that was, what was that, last summer? The ALS Ice Bucket Challenge, yeah. Because yeah. there, to me, that was a pretty good example of grabbing attention that may or may not be long-term, but did deliver some short-term results.
1: Well, there's a couple things to think about from that campaign. The first one is that um, it's a it's an acknowledgement trigger, in the sense that you the biggest part of the whole thing is that you got to challenge friends, and that you know when you were challenged, uh, you felt kind of compelled to do it. It was important to do it. It was um, you you had you were special and important enough to a person to be one of their three people that they were going to choose to go and do this thing. And it was, you know, obviously for a very positive cause right. and it violated, like it violated people's expectations. And, you know, this is just not a thing that normally happens and it's always fun to see just water dumped on somebody that is famous or someone you like. You know, it's, it's also the mystery of who's going to be doing it next. Yeah. And there was all these different kind of elements that came together for like one really positive and viral campaign.
0: And, and you know, it's interesting about that though. If I don't know, Red Cross decided to do it this summer, it probably would bomb, wouldn't it? I mean, if they t- essentially tried to copy the same idea.
1: Oh, absolutely. If you you can't copy um, an idea, sometimes it does just go viral. But I do think that there are elements that you can have in a video or something that will make it more attractive. Uh, I'm not trying to tell people to predict virality because virality is a – uh, short-term attention thing right. that doesn't last over long term, you know. In the big scheme of things, did the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge help ALS? Yes, but in the big scheme of things, what's it, it's going to still be a drop in the bucket. It's about converting those people into long-term donors and long-term interest, and that's what's really important. Yeah.
0: Are there some, um, as you talk to uh, some of the folks that come in uh, that you that, that are seeking uh, funding and and your support? Um, are there, I don't know if tools is the right word, but, um, you know, is there, is there, I, I'm sure part of what you try to offer them is, uh, training, you know, on how to do some of this in, in, in addition to the knowledge uh, that you might impart. Are there some tools that you would say, Hey, the, the, every, anybody who wants to, you know, get attention needs to also start, you know, listening better in this way, needs to start participating better in this way, needs to start talking to their customers in this way, or there's some tools or best practices?
1: So one of the triggers that talk about in the book is framing and frame of reference. And it's that we pay attention very strongly or not very strongly to the things that fall within a frame of reference. Um, so, And we don't pay attention to things outside our frame of reference. My classic example is global warming or vaccines or, um, or, or abortion. Some people, if you talk about it, they're going to have... People are going to have two different reactions. Some people are not going to even listen to you. And, you know, in a funny way, it makes sense. If someone came to us and talk, started talking to us about lizard people in, under the earth, we're not going to pay attention to them because we don't have time for that. But as a result, what you really need to do as a business person is really understand the frame of reference of your audience. And you need to either adapt to their frame of reference and, and get to them and get your message to them at the most opportune time when they're most likely to be receptive or you need to find a way to change their agenda so that they prioritize what you're doing what your product is hot more highly second one's harder than the first one but you know there's even little things for example when you're like the best time to speak is either the first talk of the day or right after lunch and the reason why is actually because of a study uh, of judges that found that Judges make more negative decisions later in the day, especially at the very end of the day, or right before lunch, and that's because of decision fatigue and the and attention fatigue. And the more that they take on during the day, the more they default to negative decisions, and it's yeah. a crazy effect.
0: Yeah. So you know, I do a lot of speaking events, and I there's I can tell you the couple times that I've got that last slot of the day where it's, you know, the only thing between. You know the 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 audience and happy hours me, <laughs> and for they, 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 they you can just see they're just beat. So Ben, um, Captivology, uh, where can uh, first off obviously I know people can uh, can pick it up uh, pretty much anywhere and in any format uh, that uh, books are had. But uh, are you uh, you want to send? Uh, is there a website or anything you want to share or send people to?
1: Absolutely. So. If you're interested in the book and in capturing attention, Captivology.com, C-A-P-T-I-V-O-L-O-G-Y. And it's also in Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere books are sold. Um, and I hope you check it out. And, of course, you can check, follow me, Ben Parr.com or at Ben and basically every social network that ever existed.
0: You've still got your MySpace page up, don't you? I never really got into myspace. <laughs> no, that was uh, I think that was on its way down probably uh, uh, by that point, wasn't it? So Ben, thanks for joining us. Uh, awesome book, awesome research, awesome science uh, behind it and uh, and some really great, great information for people trying to launch or build products and services in this zany world we live in today. So uh, thanks for joining us. We'll probably see you out there on the road.